Hello, what is up, Redeemed Church? It's your friend Eddie Johnson here. I am so excited to continue our Rooted series where this week I get to talk about why church. But speaking of church, hey, look where I am. I'm in the People's Plaza, the home, the soon-to-be, full-time, all-day, everyday home of Redeemed Church. And you might see a few folks uh, walking around behind me. We are setting things up. We're moving things in. We are getting everything set and situated because we are building the house, right? That is what we get to do. We get to build the house uh, where we will meet regularly, where we will see ministry happen, not just on a Sunday morning, but all throughout the week. So you'll, you, don't you love the painter's tape, right? Come on now, a little ambiance of painter's tape. Uh, and so, hey, don't mind all those things. Just know that while I'm speaking, every time you see someone cruise behind me, man, thank God for this opportunity. Thank God uh, for our, our elder team and for all the faithful folks at Redeemed Church who've helped make this happen. And speaking of our faithful folks, uh, Sunday, no, excuse me, not Sunday, Saturday, November 20th, we're doing a Thanksgiving service. We are going to do a real special Thanksgiving ser service where we're going to eat together. We're going to celebrate together. We're going to share some amazing stories. Don't you love those noises? You got to love it, right? We're in the midst of building the house right now. So two things remember. Number one, Redeemed Church is under construction. And, and I even bring this up. We've got work parties going on work parties every weekend for the rest of the year and specifically this Sunday at 9 a.m. and then also next Saturday, November 20th, uh, we have a Thanksgiving service. So those are two things you need to know. Redeemed Church under construction, work parties going on every weekend, and Redeemed Church Thanksgiving service on a Saturday night. Whew! I'm glad I got all that in. Hey, let's dive into the message uh, and, and we're here for a good time, not a long time, all right? Uh, we're continuing the Rooted series on Why Church? And I was excited to teach this. Um, it's a little bit different. Uh, this is not um, one of those normal uh, one, two, three point messages. We're going to kind of talk about some philosophical, broader ideas and broader picture when it comes to what church is, why we do church. Uh, and I think it'll really fill in the gaps um, uh, for this Rooted series. Uh, but the first thing I want to talk about is when I thought about this, uh, two things came to mind about why church. First thing came to mind is I've got a bunch of books here, uh, just two books. I only grabbed two because I didn't want to grab all of them. But I've got a bunch of books in my library that are things that say things like practicing Christian doctrine, uh, all these theological books on what the church is, why the church is, what we believe, what we do, and why we do what we do. So when I think about church, the first thing I think of is those books. Because inside those books, and there's nothing wrong with them, but inside those books, it'll give you all the details of why and what and how the, all the things we do about church. That's great, but that's not really the most important or maybe not the most memorable or not the most weighty thing I think of when I think about church. The thing that really gives me the most weight when I think about church is actually a picture that's going to come on your screen right now. Okay, you see that picture that's on the screen right now? This is a picture taken back in 2017 of Kendra and I's life group. Not our entire life group, but a few members of our life group who were all in the process of moving. Okay, you'll see from left to right, you'll see Colin and Inky Haley. They've been a part of uh, Life Center South slash Redeemed Church since almost the very beginning. They were a part of our life group. Then you've got Jordan and Kelsey Rupert. Uh, they were here as part of the military. And uh, they are back with their family in Pennsylvania. Ink and Colin have moved to uh, Port Orchard. Um, and then you've got Kendra and I, and you have got Hunter and Danielle Tom. Uh, when they got out of the military, they went back to the East Coast to be with Danielle's family. When I think about church, this picture that you see right here 
is the picture that comes to my mind. It's not even the words of Scripture. And we know we love the Scripture. We know we have built our lives and our futures and our destiny and our hope on the words of Scripture. This is powerful. This is amazing. It's not just the words of a theology book. Those are important because they enhance and they paint a picture and they expand and give you some deeper understanding on what the Word of God says about the church. But when I think about the church, I don't picture the words on the page. I picture the people in the pews. Oh, man, you got to love the alliteration there. You see, here's what you have to understand about church, about why church. It's the people of the church that make the theology of the church the reality. Let me say that again. It's the people that make the theology a reality. It's the people of the church that make the theology of the church a reality. All right. What do I mean by that? is when we talk about church, we're not just talking about a philosophical thought idea of, of something like this is what wonderful, what it could be like. No, when the word of God talks about the church, we're talking about real people. Matter of fact, look around uh, to your left or your right, or if you don't just look around to your left or right, because maybe you're not sitting there with family, maybe you're running, or maybe you're in the grocery store while you're listening to this message. But think about who you sit next to or who you have sit next to or who your kids have made friends with or who you made friends with at church over the years. When you think about church, it's not even thinking about the pastoral staff or the board or the elders of the building. It's, you, it's what it is. It's thinking about the people who make the church the church, the people who love God, who live and laugh and celebrate. That's what makes church church. It's the people of the church that make the theology of the church a reality. When I think about my friends, when I think about the friends throughout the years, Michael Donnelly, uh, who was one of my first friends I made when I became a believer, when I think about roommates, or when I needed a place to live, and I found roommates from my church party, Marco Villalobos, um, John, uh, Rodney, when I think about some other folks who've been a part of my life, um, kids of mine who I served in youth ministry, who now have kids of their own, David Urabazo, Preston Hood, when I think about family members uh, and other folks, man, I just get so excited because my church, whatever church I've been a part of has always been so much a part of my identity, my family, and my reality. And when your church is reality, when your church is more than just theology that's on a page, when it's more than just something you have to do to check a box to show up on a Sunday morning, it changes the way you do everything. It changes the way you serve, changes the way you give. Matter of fact, when I think about my family, of the church, when I think about the reality of my church being my people, why wouldn't I serve them? Why wouldn't I love them? Why wouldn't I go the extra mile? Why wouldn't I wanna tell everybody about this reality to make my family bigger? It's the people of the church that make the theology of the church a reality. Someone once told me, and this is a really cool thing, uh, I found this in some notes of mine from years ago. I don't even know who told me this, but I wrote this down and I, and, and I highlighted it because it, it just it stood out to me. Christians, church people, disciples, we should be the best. We should be able to, and we should be the best at making friends, laughing hard, crying easily, standing out, forgiving, giving, receiving, telling our story, telling his story, and letting people know why. 
It should be so easy for us because when you stop and you look at what the church is, the people that you are connected to, the people who love you, the people who love the Lord, the people who we all love and serve God together, it should be so easy for us to want to do all of those things. It should be easy for us to want to make friends. It should be easy for us to laugh. It should be easy for us to cry and bear each other's burdens. It should be easy. I remember years ago, I was in Oregon talking with a local pastor, and he was in the middle of revamping and, uh, and, and redoing some of his church culture, looking at their core values, looking at their mission statement. He brought in some consultants, and I remember he had read a study and he shared it with me. He said, Eddie, a study I just read said this. It said people come to church for a bunch of different reasons, most notably because someone invites them one-on-one. -on -one. But he says, people stay at church because they made a friend. More often than not, the reason why people stay at church is because they said, man, there's something about these people in the seat. Yeah, people stay at church because the preacher is good. That's part of it. Yeah, people stay at church because the music is awesome. Yeah, they stay at a church because the kids' ministry is phenomenal. But they really stay at a church more often than not because they feel, this is my home. This is where I belong. This is where my people are. It's what we want to do at Redeem Church. We want to create a church where people say, that's my home. These are my people. That is my God. These are my people. Let's go. In Greek, the word that often comes up for church is ekklesia. Okay, ekklesia. Literally, or not, I don't want to say literally. I had a professor who told me, don't ever say literally when you talk about Greek and Hebrew and all these words, okay? Because there are nuanced meanings when we translate it to our American language. So uh, to my professor who told me that, I, I will stop doing that. But what I'll say is, ekklesia, it, uh, the, the meaning is called out ones. And, and it actually is a term kind of more thinking of like a city council or group of people who are appointed or elected from a body, from a group to help uh, make decisions and govern and give information and wisdom and direction to where that group should go, okay? So it's a people, a group of people that are pulled out of a greater body who gives some wisdom and direction and understanding to where they should go and what they should do. So the church adopted this word to describe who they are because what are we if we are not a group of people who are called out of a greater whole to give the love and grace of God away to a, a dying generation. We are the called out ones. I couldn't think of a more perfect description of ecclesia in the scripture than 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I read it in, I think it was uh, ESV, English uh, uh, Revised Standard Version or Standard Version, whatever, boom. I read in a couple other translations, but then it dawned on me, I just want to read it in the message. And, and the message is a paraphrase. It's a really great job by Eugene Peterson. Uh, I, I don't want to read it uh, for all of my devotional time or all my preaching time, but sometimes the poetic uh, nature of the message gives you a different oomph, right, when you read Scripture. And when he wrote 1 Corinthians, or when he translated 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 30, uh, this is what they wrote the message, talking about the church, the ecclesia, us today. You can easily see, you can easily enough see how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your human body. 
Our body has many parts, limbs, organs, cells. But no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ by means, uh, it's exactly the same way with Christ. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial piecemeal lives. Each of us uh, used to be independently call our own shots, but we were entered into a large integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained all at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come and drink. These old labels we once used to identify ourselves like Jew and Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. I want you to think about all that makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. Listen to this. It's all different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If the foot said, I'm not as elegant as the hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong in this body. Would that make it so? If the ear said, I'm not beautiful like the eye, transparent and expressive, I don't deserve a place on this head. Would, would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eyes, how could it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it, uh, as it is, we see God has carefully placed each of us a part of the body right where he wanted it. Let me continue. But I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it's only because you are a part of me. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. An enormous eye or gigantic hand wouldn't be a body, but a monster. We have, what we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and in its proper place. No part is more important on its own. Can you imagine the eye telling the hand, get lost, I don't need you? Or the head telling the foot, you're fired, your job has been uh, phased out. <laughs> As a matter of fact, in practice, it works the other way. The lower part of the body, uh, the more basic and there are, are more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. When it's part of your body, you are concerned with it. It makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor just as it is without comparison. If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher parts. If you choose, you wouldn't proper, uh, you, if you wouldn't, excuse me, if you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer proper digestion to a fuller head of hair? Fine, I, and I finally conclude with this. The way God designed our bodies is a model of understanding for our lives together. As the church, every part dependent on every other part. Parts we mention, the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't see. If one hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt. And in healing, if one flourishes, every part enters into exuberance. You are, or should I say we are, Christ's body. That is who we are. We must never forget this. Wow. I don't think my writing did it, did it justice. But the reality is, is we 
It's the people. It's the body of Christ. It's the actual real life flesh and blood people that make the theology of the church a reality. I read through a bunch of books. I read through a bunch of scripture. And I wanted to highlight a few other thoughts that the Bible says about who we are as the church. I thought that'd be appropriate. And then I want to end with one final thought. And actually, literally, this morning, before I was recording, I was on my phone and I have a good friend of mine who, who shared, a, a, a good friend of mine who's a pastor who shared some thoughts about the state of the church and, and what the church is this morning. And, and I texted him, I said, I'm stealing that and put in my message I'm recording right now. But here's a couple of verses I can read for us. Number one, as we just read, man, we're the body of Christ. Ephesians 1, and 23 says, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him, Jesus, to be the head over all things uh, for everything in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The church is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're both individually the temple of the Holy Spirit, but also corporately when we come together, we get to be the embodiment of the Holy Spirit on this world. Ephesians chapter 2, consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens and God's people, also members of God's household, built on a foundation of apostles, prophets, with Jesus Christ himself, the chief cornerstone in him. The whole building is joined together and rises and becomes a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives in his spirit. That's Ephesians chapter 2. Matthew 18 says, these are Jesus' words, where two or three gather in my name, there will be in the midst. Both individually, we are carriers of the Holy Spirit and what God has for this world. But then when we come together corporately as the church, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the church is the bride of Christ. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Ephesians 5. He gave himself up for her to make her holy and cleansing by washing her with water through the word and to present himself as a ra- uh, to present himself as radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or any other blemish. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but cared for their body, just as Christ does with his church. We are both the bride of Christ and the body of Christ. The church is one. We talked about this recently. In John chapter 17, I think Marty talked about this. The church is one, right? Jesus' prayer for his disciples. I pray for not just the 12 in front of me, but all the generations of disciples that they would be one. John 17, 20, 21, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you and I are one, just as I am in you, may they also, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The church is a holy community. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders, signs and wonders performed by the apostles. They, all the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give it to others who had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together, and they were glad with sincere hearts, praising the Lord and enjoying all the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being being saved. Isn't that a beautiful picture of a holy community? I know there used to be a church that I know of that they had 242 groups. That was what their small groups are called because they wanted their small groups to embody this picture. 
The church is a royal priesthood. First, uh, yeah, First Peter 2, 9. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you might declare praises of him who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. We're a royal priesthood. We've been appointed and anointed to be his mouthpiece, to be his witness, to be the Jesus with skin on. As my, one of my mentors used to say, we get to be Jesus with skin on. The church is a diversity. Revelation 5.9. Every person, every tribe and tongue, and every people under one nation will be underneath the banner of Jesus Christ when he makes his return. Every tribe and tongue. Isn't that beautiful pictures of the church? We're one, we're a body, we're the bride of Christ, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, we're a unity and a diversity. It's beautiful. Quite frankly, church, if I were to sum it up, and this is how we'll wrap up today, is simply this, is the church really, we have three mandates. If we're going to embody all that we are, if we are going to be the people that make the theology a reality, here are the three things really. And everyone has different arguments, different ideas, different thoughts, but let me boil down the three things we got to do as a body to really show, to really put on display exactly what the church is. Number one, we've got to worship. I don't just mean with a band, even though that's part of it. I don't just mean with lifted hands, that's part of it. But we worship in every way, shape, and form. We worship and we, and we give worship to God. We celebrate, we, we cheer on. This is through prayer and through participating in the sacraments. This is singing, this is giving. This is living our life in a way that expresses who God is and what he's done for us. Anytime we interact, our human flesh, our human lives interacts with our holy God. We're worshiping. The second thing as a body, to be the people who make the theology a reality, is we need to be encouraging. We encourage one another. We give, we bless, we strengthen, we love, we support, we encourage, we edify each other. We put our arms around each other. We bear each other's burdens in love. We, 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 we go the extra mile for one another because we're a family, because we are the ones who make the theology a reality. And then lastly, the third thing that the church is supposed to do, we're supposed to tell the world. This is where we study to show ourselves approved. This is where we serve. This is why we're opening up the People's Plaza to be a hub in Lakewood, Stillicum, University Place, DuPont, Parkland. Because we know we need to give back to our community. We need to serve, we need to tell, we need to go into all the world. If we do those three things, church, we're doing the very thing that Christ set us up to do. Uh, I told you earlier that uh, I had a good friend who was posting some things. And my buddy, Mark Knight, he's a local pastor in the 253, one of my closest friends. Uh, he pastors Praise Covenant Church. Uh, he has a podcast. I'm going to give him a plug. Mark, I'm giving you a big time plug. Non-Anxious Church is his podcast. He's been doing it for a few weeks. And today, in his, this morning's post, he was talking about um, the church and the church in relationship to um, reaching millennials and Gen Zers. And he quoted this line from the Jude 3 Project and Lisa Fields. They did a study, and in the study, it said millennials say their parents were good at church, were not good at life. <laughs> 
millennials said their parents were good at church, but the church consumed so much of their time, but never transformed their life. The church consumed all of their time, but never transformed their parents' personal lives. Can I tell you something? That is not the church that we're supposed to be. That's not the reality that is supposed to happen. That is not what we are called to do. We are called to take all of these words you see on the page, all of the words you see in this good book, all of the ideas and thoughts and passions that the Lord has breathed into us, and we're to make it a reality. Bring a church that authentically loves each other by a church that's covering each other's nakedness, by a church who's preaching the word, by a church who's loving its community, by a church who's being a blessing. Like Abraham, we are blessed to be a blessing. We're called to be a church that worships God, encourages one another, and just tells the world. We're called to be a church of love, unconditional, sacrificial, agape love. I'm done. I'll leave you with one final line. A line that has always rang in the back of my mind whenever I think of the church. Another, I've quoted a few different people today, but another mentor of mine used to say this. He said, Eddie, you don't go to church to worship. You go to church worshiping. You don't go to church to pray. You come to church praying. You don't go to church to do evangelism and discipleship. You come doing those things. And when we all get together, it's a celebration. It, 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 it's, it's all the things we're doing put on steroids when we get together. Church, redeemed church, friends and family. That's the church I want to be a part of. That's the church I believe I am a part of. That's the church that we're all stacking hands and committed to building in the 253. Let me pray for you. And before I pray for you, don't forget, I love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Jesus, bless us as we be the church that you want us to be. Amen. Have a great day, you guys. We'll see you next week for Thanksgiving service and at one of our work parties. Peace.